This is the worst part. I hate the intro. With the intro? What's up, guys? <laughs> like, you gotta... <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Welcome. All right. All right. Here we go. Welcome to episode 5 of the Reality Bible Podcast. Today I'm sitting down with my dear partner Justin Dehitri to talk about being an empath and what that means. But first, before we get into the episode, we obviously have to celebrate the realitybible.com is live and it's ready for you to enjoy. So if you haven't checked it out, go look at the website and check out all of the different pages that are available. There's a blog that will be updated on a regular basis. You can access all of the podcast episodes as well as see some awesome artist collaboration content on the gallery page. So all of the artists that I collaborate with, photographers, writers, different podcast episodes, you name it, they're all going to be spotlighted on the website. So go check it out if you haven't, therealitybible.com. And obviously if you are not subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you prefer and make sure that you are following the reality Bible underscore on Instagram, the reality Bible on Twitter and subscribe to the Facebook page, the reality Bible to make sure that you are notified with any updates and you are in tune for all the new content that's posted. So today's episode, I'm really excited about Um, being an empath is something that a lot of people may have heard of, a lot of people may have never heard of, but um, it's something that I have started to discover about myself in the last several years, and it's something that Justin also um, has understood about himself. He's grown up in an environment and a family full of empaths, and so it's very cool to sit and talk about what that really means. Um, what being an empath is, and it's a specific type of traits and sort of connections that you have with yourself and with other people than average. And so it's it's very cool to sit and talk with empaths about what it's like to be an empath. Although it's also challenging because we don't know what it's like to not be an empath. So I hope you enjoy this interview that I have with Justin to talk about what this is like. Make sure that you uh, follow him on his Twitter, his Instagram. He mentions those later on in the episode, so stay tuned for that and enjoy the interview. Justin, thanks for sitting down with me to talk about being an empath. I obviously know that you are an empath. I'm an empath. And you grew up, your dad was an empath, correct? Yeah, yeah, he was. Or so is. is, right. Was your dad the first empath you ever knew of? Yeah, I would say my dad was. And then eventually we discovered that my sister is also a uh, HSP, at least, so highly sensitive person. It's a whole other topic for another day, I suppose. But well, there's kind of like a, there's a difference between them. Right. So what's the difference between a highly sensitive person and an empath? Because they're, they're similar spectrums, but it's like highly sensitive person and then like the next step is an empath. Correct. Yeah. And it has to do with... It's, it's kind of been described to me and I've read it in multiple places. There's some arguments back and forth as to what that border, you know, where that transition occurs. But in a lot of cases, it tends to be the ability to 
connect with on a spiritual level and feel the energies of the per- the person around you ver- uh, and perceive them versus just being aware of them. Mm-hmm. There's a thought that being an empath can be genetic yes. in a certain way. Is that because obviously with you, you were a highly sensitive person for a long time. Is that something that changed into you being an empath, or is that like you're always an empath and it just kind of you grow into it? Like growing up, I was always super sensitive to. Yeah, just energies, vibes, uh, you know, people's tone of voice, their speech rate, the mm-hmm. words they used, uh, even just down to, you know, their the way that they were carrying themselves around me would impact me. Right. And that's something that I had to be really aware of because it would impact me in a negative way a lot of times. I didn't know how to protect mm-hmm. myself from it. Uh-huh. I just knew what I was feeling. Right. And, you know, being, being a young kid, being a teenager and stuff, like emotions are crazy as is, right? And then you start feeling tons of them all of the time. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I just kind of accepted that I was an HSP, a highly sensitive person, because comparing myself to my dad right. was just, there's just no comparison. He was a, you know, he was a, an adult who had gone through all these steps to identify himself as an empath. Right. And, and if that's your role model as an empath, you know, that's, that's your model of what an empath is. Right. That's a really extreme degree of what an empath is. Right, because, you know, not everyone is an empath to that degree. I feel like it's going to vary depending on how in tune you are with yourself, with the world around you, you know, all kinds of things. Well, it's it's really going to just be your your level of development, right? So as a teenager, I had no real, like, you know, again, the, the hormones are raging, right? So you have no control over your own emotions. You just mm-hmm. feel them and they just come often mm-hmm. and out of you know far fields you know left and right and yeah. god knows where right and comparing myself to my dad where he was just much more centered in a lot of, in a lot of cases mm-hmm. uh, it yeah it just made me feel like okay i'm probably just an hsp or i'm just a highly sensitive person until i started you know really enter adulthood started to read up on the, what this meant um where I lay on this spectrum and who I am, did I realize, oh, wait, I am an empath. I've just kind of been denying it my my whole life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, your dad's an empath and he's older. He's felt this for a long time. He's had enough time to work on it. So I think that yeah. as obviously as you get older, as I get older, we will eventually kind of grow into that. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's what has happened with you as you know, you were a kid and a teenager and you just knew I'm really sensitive, but you didn't understand that's you, that's your empath, mm-hmm. right? That's not just you being in a highly sensitive person. Yeah. Um, do you think that your sister is potentially an empath? She absolutely could be. Yeah. Do you think all highly sensitive people are empaths? Or have the potential to be empaths? No. Being an empath is you are either born with it or it comes about due to traumas is most of what I've read. It's actually very interesting. Um, I haven't really done that kind of research as linking empath to trauma. It's kind of interesting because there are a lot of studies that talk of empaths forming so to speak, out of extremely traumatic events. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Where it's almost like 
X-Men style, right? right? Like put under this extreme stress. And so I guess I, I suppose it is possible that, you know, in the wake of my divorce and everything and that, that just extremely stressful time in my, you know, time in my life where yeah. I, I talk of my spiritual deaths and that was one of them. That was my mm-hmm. first. And I think after that was when I noticed I was much more in tune with everything around me than I had given myself credit for. Right. You know, whether it was there to begin with or it had transformed out of that, yeah. who knows. But there's a lot of studies as well that show the mapping of empaths is generally speaking genetic. Okay. So yeah. if, if one parent or both parents are empaths, the probability right. of a child or children being an empath is incredibly high. Right. Now, that makes me think, you know, based on a big trauma for you that you kind of recognize this trait in yourself because I didn't, you know, during my first significant trauma in my life, my first sexual assault, I, you know, obviously didn't have any self-work or anything under my belt and I hadn't, I was 18, right? So I didn't understand how to make sense of everything. And then it wasn't until three years later, actually, when you and I got into an exclusive relationship with each other that you started kind of linking this stuff for me. And you were like, hey, have you ever heard of this? I'm like, no. And you go, oh, you're definitely an empath, right? And you're showing me these traits. And it's funny now because, you know, I I was intrigued to do this episode based on several conversations I've had in the last week with different people about being an empath. And it's all come about in a flow of consciousness that's like about this one idea. And I think that I didn't recognize what that was or the fact that it was something I was dealing with until I started trauma recovery, which wasn't until three years after my first trauma. And so I think that that's something, not only is it formed because of trauma, but it's something you recognize when you start to do trauma work, right? Because I don't, you know, a lot of times if you go through a trauma and you don't do any sort of recovery, I mean, you're, there's a whole like shell that's formed over a big part of you. Because you're being protected, right? You're protecting yourself from hurt. And so a lot of these things you're not going to pick up on because it's being protected, right? I was living a very shielded, protected life and very defensive because I was hurting. And once you kind of crack that open to get through and do some therapy, now these things start coming out and you recognize these things that you didn't understand until you started trauma work. So I think that that's interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting observation that you've, that you've kind of come up with and, and noticed. Now I'm, I have a question for you. Yeah. So about 2% of the population are empaths based on research. Does that seem like a big number or a small number to you based on the empaths you've met or haven't met? It has to do with, you know, like the attraction of frequencies. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, we'll actually be attracted to people that are um, kind of like-minded or, on a, you know, on a similar frequency that we are. So if you are an empath, you're actually going to attract and be gravitated towards uh, other empaths in life. So if you're just out and about and you get this like tingly feeling towards this person, you're like, I don't know why, but I get this vibe about this person, right? You just feel mm-hmm. an attraction. It's probably because you're on a very similar frequency to them. Mm-hmm. And so empaths are, uh, whether you, you know somebody, the person knows they're an empath or not, or even HSPs, they are 
it's that gut feeling, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people call it God. People call it gut feeling, you know, the angel over my shoulder, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing where you have this intrinsic feeling towards something. And it's we're finding where there's a lot of studies that are talking about how it's actually you are picking up on a frequency that's being transmitted. Right. And you are matching it to some degree. And so there's an attraction. Right. And, and so, you know, uh, within our friend circle, right, um, we end up noticing there's a lot of empaths, but that's just because that's the frequency we're on. Mm-hmm. Whereas for somebody who's not an empath, they're going to find people who are on the same frequency as them, which kind of leads into the next question where a lot of people are like, oh, well, uh, being an empath sounds so cool. I want to be an empath, right? Yeah. Like, you, know, let, you hear a lot of people talk about like, it must be this like magic, like, oh, tell me about your magic, you know, or it must be great. There's like a top Google search about empaths where if you type it in, it says, is being an empath a real thing? Yeah. Because a lot of people hear about it and they're like, is this real? Like, it doesn't sound real if you don't feel it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't call it magic and I wouldn't say that it's always great because oh, no. for, for most people, they don't know how to accept their emo- like it really just means that you're extremely emotional mm-hmm. and that number that two percent probably be higher if a lot of people just accepted emotions right mm. um, a lot of people would probably start to become more aware of their emotions and of the emotions of others around them in a deeply spiritual and intrinsic way so you think that there's more than two percent of the population of empaths and they just may not know it. They, I think are completely shutting themselves off to the possibility. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. I think because it, it involves a deeper understanding of emotion. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, emotion is right. the movement. It's actually the movement of uh, energy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's energy in motion. And so it's all around us at all times, right? We understand, you know, we, we pick up on things, we experience emotions, but you know, the, the other funny part about that is that most people, uh, you know, in our, in our counseling sessions and such, you'll hear where a lot of people don't even know what emotion they're feeling. And so your counselor right. might have like a wheel right. of like emotions that they'll have to be like, which one of these are you feeling? Right. And that just goes to show today, men and women are so detached from their own emotions that they can't even identify what they're feeling. Yeah. Right. Nobody sits with it and goes, what am I? People don't sit with their emotions anymore and question, what am I feeling? And so the more you do that, the, I think the probability of identifying if you are an empath or not can become um, much greater. Definitely. Definitely. Being an empath though, just has to do with, has to do more externally than internal, right? That's a lot of internal work, but for an empath to really become more at peace with themselves, right? Because that's like, everybody's like, oh, that must be magical. It's like, well, for for an empath that doesn't take the time to do internal work, Mm -hmm. it's more like chaos. Yeah. Because you are highly sensitive to anything and everything around you. And empaths that are, or even HSPs that are, that, you know, lack that self-control to block out negative energies, they are just subject to the world around them and they'll oftentimes take it out on the world. And I think it's a feeling of anxiety. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's what people just classify as anxiety because it's emotional chaos internally, externally, like everything they, they're just on overload of feeling Right. And so they just kind of attribute it as anxiety because that's really what it is. It's like an 
anxiety and an unsettlement and a chaos of emotions. So, yeah, I think that that's, you know, a lot of particularly men, you know, in, in our society are just like, you know, they're not in tune with emotions of their own. And so if in particular, if you have a male empath, right, they have to go through this whole other set of things to get to that level of understanding. Like this is not just my emotions that I'm feeling. It's the emotions of other people. Absolutely. And, and, and things. I mean, that's the other part that a lot of empaths don't, or people even don't realize is that, you know, you pick up on the emotion, the energies of items and circumstances and even places. You can mm-hmm. actually imbue a emotion with a location and that energy can reside in that spot. And yeah. so if you were to pass by there, that that energy people can pick up on, right? So Definitely. we see it and we, we see it in New York. So water carries energy extremely well. And so obviously anger, I say obviously, but maybe for the listeners that don't know, anger is a much, um, it's a longer lasting, longer lingering emotion and energetic, uh, energetic moment than that of love. Unfortunately, love is more powerful, but anger is much more persistent. Mm. And so in New York, the actual water molecules, you can look this up. It's really interesting when the water molecules are actually kind of distorted because they pass through all these apartment buildings and pass by so many people that are under so much stress and anxiety and anger that that water then carries that energy with it as it passes through the walls and through the floorboards and whatever. So by the time you pour it out of your faucet and you go to drink it, you're drinking all of this energy that's been imbued upon the water Whoa. just just by passing through the building. And so think about that. It's on, it's cyclical, right? Like the water just gets recycled. Right. And so at what point does the water become cleansed of this negative energy? Right. And wow. so cities, that's why cities oftentimes have this big, just like negative energy about them. And we don't know why, you know, the people when they move to the city, they become more irritated and, you know, and they become angrier and whatever. Right. It's why? Well, because you're in, you know, intrinsically picking up on all of this energy and you're right. never shedding it. You're never taking it off. I feel like obviously humans in general are, when you get down to it, you know, there's a sense of us that we're just antennas. Yeah. We pick up and transmit energies, frequencies, like you said. You know, I mean, the world is filled and transmits frequencies. Absolutely. Everywhere you look. You know, inanimate, living things, no matter what. And so, like we talk about natural wood has a frequency and, you know, liquid has a frequency and plants have a frequency, animals have a frequency. And, you know, as this human antenna you're putting yourself in a place where you're only going to be picking up negative things. You're only going to be picking up, you know, anger, stress, anxiety, like negative emotions, right? Whereas if you take that antenna and put it in different locations, it's picking up different things based on where you are, the setting you're in, the people you're around, the inanimate things you're around, and, you know, all these different things play into the energies that are around you, whether you're an HSP and empath or not, right? Just humans in general, this is how your, your body is created. Yeah. And, you know, frequencies, you're going to match other, other frequencies that match your wavelengths. 
And you said something earlier that made me think of this as empaths who pick up on the wavelengths and frequencies of other empaths. Um, you know, people are attracted to specific frequencies based on their own frequencies. And I was talking to a friend about the, the commonality in relationships between empaths and narcissists. Oh, yeah. And it's something that blew my mind because knowing now that I am an empath, and I'm curious to know your story, because knowing now, when I look back at my previous relationships, all my significant relationships have been with either narcissists or people who embodied a lot of narcissistic tendencies. Sure. And a lot of those characteristics. And the big change that I am undergoing and have been undergoing is that now I'm not in a relationship with a narcissist. I'm in a relationship with an empath. So all those things, those defenses, those mechanisms that I developed to protect myself from a narcissistic significant other are now worthless because of the difference between you know, having a narcissistic partner and an empath partner. And that's something that's wild to me because I used to have to armor myself up for situations where I'd be emotionally manipulated. Um, you know, I would have to be on alert for their emotions. I'd be blamed for their emotions. I would be told that I'm responsible for X, Y, Z. But as an empath, you're in tune with your own emotions and mine. So that's not what I need to be prepared for anymore. But that's something that I've been developing since I had my first significant relationship, you know, starting back in my adolescent years at 17. And it's been this pattern, right? Where not every person that I've ever gotten involved with was a narcissist, but a good amount of them were. And those significant relationships that really shaped who I am and how I deal with people have been narcissists. And so having to kind of unlearn those habits and attribute them with a specific type of person and why they developed has been super interesting to try and figure out. And when this friend of mine, she's an empath, when she pointed it out to me, I kind of just sat there for a second and I was like, holy shit, how did you know this? Because she doesn't know my history, the people that I've been with. She just... She was like, yeah, you've been in relationships with narcissists, haven't you? And I was like, yes. How did you know? And she was able to kind of explain this to me. And I was like, she had sat with you like twice, maybe. Yeah. And talked to you just a short amount of time. And she was like, oh, Justin's definitely an empath. I'm like, how do you know this, you witch? And she told, she's an empath, so she can tell. But it's that separation of what you've learned based on the people you've been with and having to unlearn that or reshape it based on who you're currently with. So I know some of your relationships, but I, I don't know necessarily how you categorize them. Do, would you say that your history has been kind of similar? It's kind of like two answers to this, to this t- topic, I suppose. Um, my relationships were not with narcissists. Okay. They were just with people that were, just kind of lost, honestly, and kind of trying to figure themselves out. And so 
my personality type is that of a very like protect. I'm very protecting, right? And so oftentimes one of, one of my biggest challenges I'm working on right now is learning that the problems of the people around me are not my problems, right? Because I don't, I don't, I do very well to make sure I don't have many problems in my own life. I try to just make my life as simple and I wouldn't say easy, but just simple as possible, manageable. Yeah. And so one of my challenges is that I oftentimes then look to help those around me because of how I've structured my own life. I, I've noticed that and I've begun reading on how as a human trait, what doesn't matter, narcissist, empath, HSP, disregard all of that just as a human trait, oftentimes those who are experiencing anxiety, which anxiety is one of the largest um, I would call it a pandemic, right? Anxiety is a mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah. Um, people uh, today in 2020 specifically don't know how to manage or deal with anxiety mm-hmm. or stress. And it's a human trait that we don't like to go internal. We don't like to look at ourselves truly for who we are or the things that we've done or how we feel. Looking at your own emotions is ugly. Mm-hmm. Looking at the way you've behaved in certain circumstances when maybe you didn't have the right answer or whatnot is ugly. Right. It's a vulnerability. Absolutely. And it's, you have to confront yourself. Most people just refuse. Most people refuse to go inside. And, you know, funny thing is, is again, 2020, right? Like you look at how many people are, are usually, you know, nobody's dating anymore. Everybody's just on Tinder and a Bumble and whatever. And they're always just talking to somebody. Right. They're talking to more than one somebody generally. Right. And it's this external stimulus. They're always looking to match up with somebody or focus on somebody other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Because Distractions. It's distraction, exactly. It's easier to focus on another person and to try and figure out you know, if they'd be compatible and a good partner for you than it is to figure out how you can be your own best friend and own partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that involves change because you know, oftentimes people, if you were to really look at yourself and go, am I the person I want, I want to be right. actually want to be not the person I think I should be, but the person I want to be, those are, that's, those are different Then a lot of people are going to be off. They're, gonna, they're not going to be in that space. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, so when we, when we end up in relationships, it's oftentimes, especially for empaths or HSPs, it's often too painful to go internal. So we end up with people that are maybe kind of lost or maybe we feel like we can somehow help them out and assist them. It's almost like a sense of control. It gives, it gives that anxiety a sense of ease because you no longer have to look internal. You can look external. You can look at this other person and you feel almost better about yourself because you're in this relationship with somebody that you perceive as kind of lost and you want to guide them, it gives the, you know, it's a boost to ego, right? So again, it's all external. You don't even have to, you know, like, you just feel good about yourself. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm doing great in life. I've got all this stuff figured out because this person's doing worse than me. And that's your perception, mm-hmm. right? So I wouldn't say that necessarily narcissist because, you know, true narcissist is extremely rare, right? Actual narcissism is even more rare than, uh, than empaths. But Narcissistic tendencies definitely, uh, you know, can definitely persist out there. Right. The statistics that show empaths ending up with narcissists definitely are high. But that's, again, just because there are a lot of empaths out there that 
it is so difficult to go inwards that they end up being attracted to those that are, you know, people that give them this external uh, work and gratification, you know, it becomes a challenge essentially to try and tame this, this right. person who is a, a negative void. That's really what a narcissist would be to an empath or where an empath is always seeking to give the narcissist would become this just endless void yeah. that you can always give to. Right. Which I think is a, why a lot of empaths end up with narcissists is because they, even if they don't know that they are an empath, they understand what their emotional needs are. Mm. And narcissists know what their emotional needs are. And those two are pretty complementary, right? Narcissists need to receive consistently and empaths need to give endlessly, right? And so you end up with this complementary dynamic that isn't always healthy, rarely is healthy. And now you end up with you know, a sacrifice going on on one side. Um, but obviously, you know, like you said, that's, that's rare for that to be true, you know, narcissist and true empath. Yeah. But those tendencies that go together can be really, really destructive if you don't understand what it is that you're doing. Absolutely. To go off of what you were talking about with traits and stuff, lingering from past relationships or past encounters or whatnot. We use the word trauma a lot, right? Where if something extremely negative happens and it lingers with us, then that can become a trauma response. But the other part that people don't practice on a daily are, we were talking earlier about how energies linger, right? So with the water thing, energy, you know, particular places, just energy can just linger and not just external of you, but internal as well. Mm-hmm. Anxiety comes from a uneasiness and an unsettling of when you don't accept where it is and what it is that you're feeling. So the reason that negative energies tend to linger longer is because we focus on them because we try to resist them. That's the hilarious part. We try to resist negative moments. So if something bad starts to happen, we go, oh, no, 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 I don't want this to happen. And you resist it instead of actually just being with it and sitting with it. It's like getting a headache, right? When mm-hmm. we get a headache, we go, no, I don't want a headache. I don't want a migraine, right? Migraine is even better example. Oh, yeah. You go, no, I don't want a migraine. And then you start resisting it, right? But then it hurts. So what do we do? We always want to just avoid it. We take pills, we whatever, instead of just sitting with it. So recently I experienced a migraine and I didn't take any meds or anything. I just laid in bed with the window open while it was raining listened to the rain and just sat with my migraine. My migraine was gone within a couple of hours, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're not putting up a block to this pain and trying to push it, which increases the energy from both sides. You're not letting it flow through. Right. You have to let the energy continuously move through you. So anything that's negative in your life that is coming to you, don't resist it. Just let it happen. Mm -hmm. Let it flow through and then keep going and then show appre- show more appreciation to those positive you know, encounters and positive uh, attributes that happen throughout the day. Show right. praise and show gratitude. So recently, you know, we've been working with gratitude alarms with you. Yeah. <laughs> where, you know, multiple times a day and anybody listening, you know, like just set set like four or five alarms throughout your day randomly. Like totally don't don't make it an even hour so that you know when it's coming. Make it like a random time. So like 9.38 in the morning and then 11.28 a.m. You know, just do weird random times 
and and have it be, you know, say gratitude, where you're going to spend five minutes when that alarm goes off, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, you can generally wait unless you're driving, right? Don't don't just all of a sudden stop driving or something. But I mean, you know, you can pull over if you feel like it, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, take whatever you're doing, yeah, take five minutes and show gratitude for uh, what I like to do is three things. I'll pick three things within a category. I'll pick a category, pick three things within that category, and then just focus on those that you know, you've been writing on them, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But just focus on them. And then, you know, just show how, you know, show that positive energy through, right? So that we don't linger on the negative ones because you right. can literally replace negative energies that have, that are either stuck within you or stuck around you or stuck to you with those positive ones just by giving them more attention than the negative. Mm-hmm. It's just like shining a filter on them, Absolutely. you know, or, or removing a filter really, Yeah. you know, depending on what this energy is and where it's coming from, whatever the source is, you might actually be attributing it to something that it's not. Yep. And so like, you know, it, it's all about perspective really when all these things come through and that's such a cliche, but it's, it's very true. Right. Like, you know, I, I see it happen a lot with my circumstances right now is I'm separating from the military from a, you know, from a medical standpoint. And a lot of people that I talk to treat that like it's a tragedy, right? Like I constantly, you know, I see people who are going through similar circumstances and obviously for some people, this is going to be, you know, something big and significant because this is a career that they're losing through no faults of their own. And if they were really passionate about doing one thing, obviously this is going to be a pretty big upset, but it's not something negative for me. You know, it's circumstances that are changing. That's all. Right. Right. And it's, it's a door closing, you know, as I transition through the doors of life, right? Like if you have all these doors in front of you, you have to close one to get to another. And it's like an in-between And that's something that for a long time, I mean, it's been like two years that this has been floating in my, you know, possibilities. And by now I'm like, yeah, okay, this is what's happening. It's not something that's horrible. It's not something I have to be afraid of. So I think it's interesting, you know, that people frame certain things in certain ways and not to say that you shouldn't be framing things in those ways. You frame it exactly how you need to frame it. You know, if, if this was me losing the career that I devoted my heart and soul to, and I was devastated, then I should feel devastated, right? It's that motion of energy and it's attributed to a specific feeling. It's that emotion. And so I shouldn't be resisting that. I should be accepting of however it is. You just take the nature of what it is that you're dealing with and don't try to resist it. Like you're saying, let that energy happen. And so I think that that's, you know, particularly right now, as I'm going through this big transition, that's something that comes up almost every day, right? But it's something that's applicable no matter where you're at. Typically, you know, I I don't really like Instagram kind of for that reason where everybody's always comparing themselves, right? So they compare what they have to where where they see somebody, right? So we see those pictures, you're scrolling through your Instagram feed and you see somebody doing something super cool or super awesome. They're on a trip or whatever. That might be one of two trips they've taken this year. But for some reason, we kind of compare where we are right here, right now to what they're doing. And we feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then the next day comes and then you're scrolling through your Instagram feed. And you see another person doing the same thing. They're off doing something cool and they're doing something fun. And then we compare ourselves right now where we are to what they're doing. 
and we feel bad about ourselves. We do this for months on end. Finally, we go do something cool. We take some photos, post them on Instagram. We feel really good about ourselves for that time frame. Yeah. And then it's right back to feeling bad about ourselves. Like immediately, like you get back to, you know, home, work, whatever it might be, a daily grind, if you will, for those who are into that kind of thing. <laughs> you are. Daily grind? Are yeah. you kidding me? Every day is different for me. <laughs> but for those that are, you know, like get back into this, just like. You, you know, get to the mundane. Right, and the, the stuff that's not exciting to post. Right. But then you get back to your cube or whatever it is you uh-huh. work in. And then you just start comparing yourself to everything external again. Just turn it off. Like right. Stop. You know, show appreciation for what you have right here, right now in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it'll multiply. Right. So I want to ask you, um, you know, there's, if you, you can Google search if you want to and say like, what, what are the signs of being an empath? And it's like symptoms almost. Like, oh my gosh. Here's how it would feel. So I, I took a couple of these and I want to ask if these are something that you either deal with now or have dealt with in the past. So increased intuition. Do you have a high intuition? I think so. I would you say think yes. So? I would, I would say yes. Okay. I think yeah. I do. Yeah. It's just, I have a pretty high intuition. I think, I, think it, I think that, I don't know about that being linked with being an empath. I think that's a human trait. See, that's what I'm thinking as I'm reading through a lot of these. There are some that are particularly, you know, you're more prone to dealing with this if you are an HSP sure. or if you are an empath. I but think, a lot of these are just like, oh my gosh, you have feelings? You must be an empath. Right, right. Because, well, because emo- emotions, right, have become such a negative thing in our society, right? Where we watch, we watch TV and such, which is hyper-emotional. But then as soon as anybody within our, in our friend circle or family or anything like that shows emotion, either we or their friend, if it's you, right, they, they look at you like, are you okay? And, then, and they want to just make it go away or make it change unless you're overjoyed and happy, right? Like the, yeah. only, the only emotion that is socially acceptable is happiness. But the right. thing is, is everybody's chasing that. And so they don't experience the full <laughs> rainbow of emotions that there are available, right? They like, resist everything, but like, just go, just look up how many emotions there are. And I can guarantee any of the listeners are going to be you know, like just blown away. Right. right? They're going to be like, what? Uh, what? Yeah. Like, this is an emotion. You're and like, yeah, these are different. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Like there's just all these different categories to it. Okay. So this one I know is particular to you, a deep connection to nature. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. That one's, I've, I've always grown up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's something that actually I was kind of introduced to through you and your family. Yeah. And it's something that this isn't even just particular to being an empath, but I mean, obviously the, the earth transmits its own wavelengths that are, they're not the Schumann residents. Yeah. And in the middle of anxiety attacks, a couple of times I have, you know, been with you and we'd go up and take our shoes off and stand on grass. Yes. Bare on, feet. on the ground specifically. Yeah. Bare yeah. feet on the grass, on the ground, not on concrete, specifically yeah. on the earth. And just let the earth energy into your body directly. No shoes, you know. It's actually the other way around. It actually, the earth actually takes the negative energy from you. It's a complete other way. Is it? It is. Oh. Yeah. The earth is cleansing. So it's actually, you know, that's why you have to get your feet directly on the ground. I've been is thinking of it actually, backwards. It actually draws negative energies from you, which is why it's just so important to, it's called earthing or grounding. Well, I knew grounding, but yeah. I didn't recognize that that was what was happening. Absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's that connection to nature. Um, I think that again, that's just kind of a human trait because, you know, biologically and historically humans, this is our, our habitat is earth. And so, you know, we've had a connection to earth. We obviously have your circadian rhythm and, you know, the connection to sounds and smells and weather patterns. I mean, you name it, like there's a connection between humans and the earth, but I think in modern society, that's kind of overlooked. But if you are, you know, if you have done the work to recognize that role and the connection between them, you know, maybe it's a little deeper if you're an empath, maybe it's a little deeper if you're an HSP. I don't know. Being frequently overwhelmed or having difficulty with crowds. Again, I think that that just comes down to an empath that empaths are notorious for having severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that severe anxiety I understand is going to like you know label like eighty five percent of the <laughs> listeners right like everybody's gonna be like oh my god that's me I must be an empath well I mean maybe right yeah that's possible right but yeah. however you know for empaths yes those that do not understand how to filter out a lot of that energy mm-hmm. the it's not the size of the crowd that actually overwhelms an empath it's actually the energy, the energy of, the of the crowd it just becomes so repulsive because they're feeling it's an f- overwhelming amount of emotion that they're experiencing from every you know every type of conversation and every mood that everybody's in and so you're just getting hammered as you exist in this crowd with every emotion you can think of mm-hmm. you're just exposed to it all um Having this sense of not being able to not care about something. Having the sense to not be able to not care. Like you can't not care about something. I, I would say for, yeah, maybe for a young empath, that's possible. Somebody who's uh, just not... You haven't developed that ability to protect yourself. Yeah, to kind of protect yourself because then you just feel, you know, we we all know people that are just always giving themselves away to anybody's ask, right? Like they're they're just always, yeah, people pleaser, but kind of like to 11, right? Where where just anytime anybody asks, no matter how much it's going to cost them, whether it be family time or anything, right? Like you call Uh, them, you know, they're going to take the time to, to be with you. Yeah. And even though it's murdering them spiritually. Right. Like it's just, it, you know, it's not good for them, but they continually give because they feel this obligation mm. because they, again, it comes down to control. It gives that insecure empath, this ego boost and, and uh, makes them feel much more secure in themselves because they feel like they can, they can provide you with something that you can't provide yourself. Now, what you're saying about like a young empath or someone who's, kind of not grown into this. Yeah. I think that's interesting because these are points that are like from articles going, Hey, you might be an empath if you experience these things. So it's things that people wouldn't have learned to manage. Right. Or, you know, something like that. So that's interesting. Okay. So now I'll put it in this perspective as you don't know that you're an empath. So back when you were younger and you didn't know this already, now you grew up with an empath in the house. And so this might be, something that you already like have attributed a lot of this for me, I can think back to a few years ago before I understood this and go, Oh yeah, I definitely struggled with that. 
to a big extent. I totally struggled with anxiety in crowds, but I couldn't tell you if it was based off of my upbringing with mm-hmm. my dad and his uh, dad being, you know, former former special operations. It mm-hmm. was, you know, big he raised PTSD. me, yeah, b- big time PTS, and he kind of imbued this sense of security and, and alertness and awareness to onto me and he imprinted that kind of characteristic trait onto me at a young age. Okay. I couldn't tell you, and I carried that into my young adulthood to where, you know, I was like, Oh, this is totally normal. Like you're always supposed to, you're supposed to know how many people are in the room at all times and what they're wearing for shirts and uh, what, like you're supposed to be able to tell like, you know, if, where's the nearest exit. Yeah, What's nearest the exit, exit strategy? Like, I mean, I could pick out if somebody's carrying a firearm, you right. know, just in a crowd, yeah. right. Just based off the way they walk. Right. Right. And that's just because of dad. And I couldn't tell you if that was, you know, that anxiety that I experienced in, in crowds was because of that or because I'm, I'm an empath. I mm-hmm. don't know. So it, for me, it's, you know, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting you know, topic. Yeah. Okay. So what about um, building easy trust with people and having people frequently tell you their problems? Absolutely. That's definitely a big giveaway is where people will just automatically feel a hundred times more comfortable around you. Whether like they, whether you, it could be the first time you've met them and uh-huh. they're telling you things that they, and then they question themselves afterwards. Right? Like, why am I telling you like, this? Why am I telling you this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they, even they, they even find themselves like, like, I guess I just feel like I can trust you. And it's because on an intrinsic level, they just feel so welcomed and so accepted by you. There's mm-hmm. no level of uh, rejection. It's mm-hmm. just pure acceptance. Okay. What about, um, High introversion. That again can become come from, you know, for somebody who's new and doesn't know that they might be an empath. Yeah. That again just comes from the overwhelming amount of energy that they are sent they, they are aware of mm-hmm. and sensitive to. And so just being out and about can just right. feel noisy, right? It just it feels like your head just feels like it's, it's being buzzing. Buzzing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great word. That I mean I still get it all the time. Absolutely. And that's that goes into needing a lot of time to recharge, which was a huge one for me. You know, I, after a little while, I started to recognize that I got really overwhelmed talking to people, engaging with people out in crowds somewhere new. And I needed a lot of, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time in our relationship, having I time, having introversion time and time to recharge because you're on alert and you're on, you're like, and and not in a sexual way you're literally like turned on yeah. when you're out and about and yeah. you shut yourself back off when you are not out right. engaging in the world right you like have to turn yourself off and recharge you know it's like being an antenna you know yeah. and so an antenna that you know that, that is just receiving everything and then and, you know, yes you know, and so when i talk about like young empath that you know that is something that you can learn how to control, right? So that you're not always on sensitivity level freaking 11. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can turn that down to a five, learn how to, and then it's totally normal. Like you can be out and about around people and you can be aware of things, but not let it affect you. Yeah. And that is definitely a state of being that is uh, much more enjoyable for an empath. Mm-hmm. And this last one is my hotspot. I'm very guilty of this. And we talked about it a little bit with people pleasing. Yeah. Having trouble setting boundaries. Absolutely. Me, 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 me. Yeah. (laughs) That has been a challenge for me since I entered into the world. Yep. 
that's, that's definitely a telltale sign in my opinion. Everybody I know that's an empath has the hardest time saying no. And I think it's because you are constantly transmitting and constantly receiving. And you don't know how to turn that off. If, so if you're always receiving, you feel obligated to always receive, right? You don't know that this is not something that you can shut off and have the world be okay, right? It seems like your world's going to fall apart if you don't accept everything that comes your way. I think it's also a fear of rejection. Definitely. So where you know, people, or you're afraid of being told no, you don't want to hear the word no. So I can't tell this person no because of how devastating it is to me. Yeah. If I tell this person no, I'm going to destroy their world right now. Right. It's like everything's a mirror. Yeah. And you can you, you can't you can't treat someone other than how you want to be treated. Right? Like you can't. You have a really hard time rejecting. You have a really hard time not being supportive. And you have a hard time not being energetically available because that's what you would want. Right? And so it's, I think that that's the craziest thing. That's something that was, was, and still is a big, big point for me that I'm learning. I'm one of these, you know, green empaths, <laughs> still sprouting. And so a lot of these things I still deal with. And it's something that we recognize, right? And it's something that you and I deal with a lot because we do self-work almost on the daily, right? And it's stuff that we do together. We do independently, um, you know, side by side, there's all these different ways that you and I go about this work. And when we do it, you know, you'll, you'll see me have these breakthroughs all the time. And, and you're like, yeah, I already knew that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Celebrate me. (laughs) I figured it out. Um, but yeah, a lot of these things, setting boundaries, you know, having time to recharge, not being able to shut off my transmitter to receiving, you know, it's, I think that that's something that's, um, you know, they're, they're traits of those sensitivities and it's something that, I mean, I'm sitting here asking, but it's something that I'm the one that I have to grow into it too. Absolutely. Whether anybody listening is a empath or an HSP, whatever you think you might be, if you want to be, whether you don't want to be or want to be, I should say, I would just, I would just start with reading just, you know, Go on the internet as crazy as that sounds, right? And just start reading, find some good books and just become more self-aware of your own emotions and and how that how that side of you, the intrinsic side and, and everything, uh, get to know yourself mm-hmm. truly. Whether you're an empath or not, it, you know, it'll benefit anyone. Mm-hmm. Have that self-connection, you know, just as much as you're connecting outside connect with yourself twice as much yeah and start to learn those things and get a grip of you know have your footing of where am i actually you know on the scale of emotion emotional feedback emotional existence you know where am i at yep and uh one of the greatest places i recommend everybody starts is uh, just start journaling Mm. Um, i i i'm gonna butcher this i think it was seneca who said this but he said, "When uh, when we're reading, we learn we learn about the world, but when we write, we learn about ourselves." Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I tell everybody just start journaling, 
anything and everything. A lot of people are like, where do I start? Like just first thing that comes to your mind, literally. And mm-hmm. you just get more and more comfortable with it as time goes on. And next thing you know, you can start having some like deep thoughts with yourself and yeah. really start going places that you never thought possible. And you can find mediums to journal, especially in 2020, because a lot of companies, a lot of producers have developed these things because the world is in turmoil right now. And self-care is something that people are starting to focus a little more on, fortunately. And uh, so you can look in a lot of places and find guided journals. You can find, um, you know, pen and paper ones. You can find digital ones. You can find um, just just anything, any library of things. Um, but if you are the kind of person that needs prompting, there's a couple of things that you and I have both tried I personally really enjoy, and these are not ads, this is just, you know, happy customers sharing our experiences. Um, But I personally really like an app on the App Store called Jour, J-O-U-R, and they are um, guided journals. You have an open forum where you can just obviously do free writing. Um, there are quick prompts for a check-in. There's guided things for specific moods. So if you're feeling anxious or you want to focus on, um, you know, in any number of things. Um, so that's a great app. There are paid versions, but there's also a free version available. Um, what are some that you've worked with? I have been a longtime subscriber of day one because of all the ways that you can, you know, journal as you said right you can add images you can add video audio audio recordings they mm-hmm. they convert it to they create a transcript for you too so you can actually like read it later mm-hmm. if you wanted to they allow for you know writing all kinds of things but with a paid subscription you can sync it across all your devices mm-hmm. and there's daily prompts there's all kinds of really cool functions to it mm-hmm. more than i even use honestly okay. you can create multiple types of journals so you can create you can actually publish one if you wanted you could create almost like a blog oh and can't you get yours printed like a book i can yes i could order that's, it that's a cool feature too and so again you know if you if you created a specific journal like your daily journal like you create something specific that at the end of the year you wanted to print and and keep with you as like you, know, you could create your own like uh like an autobiography po- an autobiography or you create memoirs. poems and stuff whatever you mm-hmm. want to do in there right and again the cool part about subscribing is that I can, you know, it's synced across all my devices. So I've been known to journal. If I just have like a moment or I just need to get something out of my head and I'm in the car, I'll just whip out my phone and just make a quick entry. Mm-hmm. And then, or if I sit down on the computer and I want to write out, you know, a couple pages, mm-hmm. I do that too. Yep. Um, so all of these, you know, these two apps that we are both recommending, they're both available on the app store um, for Apple. I don't know about Google Play or Android or anything because day, day I one, use Apple. But um, Day One is available on all platforms. Okay. They also have a uh, website that you can go to as well. So for, some, for those who are resistant to downloading an app, mm-hmm. it's always an option. Yeah. So check those out if you are um, interested in taking a step forward into journaling if you haven't before. Um, you know, I've I've been a I've been one of those who struggle with it and I have tried to get myself back into a routine with it, but, um, it's definitely helpful if you have good tools. So, you know, go out there and do your research and find one that works for you and start working with it. Pen and paper is fine too. Absolutely. Pen and paper is more than fine and it's free (laughs) unless you need a pen. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for your time and your 
experiences sharing your um, your knowledge with us today, Justin. Absolutely. You're yeah, welcome just, back anytime. Oh, I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Already been on here once, so this is a uh, this is great. Little, great, great little round two, right? Yeah. Yeah, and about a about a really cool topic to me, and you know, I'm always available to anybody who wants to just reach out on Instagram, Facebook, or or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. People, I'm always open to just having these conversations. I'm no subject matter expert. There's plenty of those out there, but. I'm just one of those one of those guys who's just kind of figuring it out and doesn't mind sharing my journey as I go along. Yeah. So Justin's Instagram is at misfit underscore two zero seven. If you want to go give him a follow and check out what he's doing and engage with him, he shares some pretty amazing stuff on his um, his platforms as well. Check me out on Twitter. That's where a lot of the deeper thinking is. Yes, <laughs> the, the public journal. Yeah. <laughs> and that is. It's going to be D-E-H-E-T-R-E underscore Justin. Okay. Yeah, it's just my last name and then my first name. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed episode five of the Reality Bible podcast. Again, make sure that you go check out therealitybible.com and access all of the features that are now available on the brand new website, I've been working really, really hard to put it together, and I think it's beautiful. So make sure that you go show it some love, share it with your friends and your family. Um, As always, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen, as well as following the Reality Bible underscore on Instagram and the Reality Bible on Twitter, and subscribe to the Facebook page. Make sure you never miss an episode, and you're uh, in tune with all of the updates that happen on the page. Thank you all so much for being here today. Have a great week.